I say to, especially gospel singers, sing because you love music, not because you want to be a star. Sing because you love the Lord, not because you want to be famous, because you may never become famous. You may never get a record deal. You may never record an album. But if you do it for the love of the music, then you'll never be disappointed. This is Gina Bearden, and welcome back to another episode of Success in Christ. Welcome to episode 16. Can you believe it? 16 episodes of Success in Christ podcast. Lord knows it has been a challenge for me to get the podcast out in a timely manner. Um, being a wife, being a mother, working on my nonprofit, trying to still get up, get it up and off the ground after five years, it has been difficult. Today, I have a wonderful surprise for you. Um, I am speaking with national recording artist Lillian Lloyd. Now, she and I did this interview back in May of this year. God did not release me yet to put it out there, but has recently. So I'm thankful to be able to present this interview to you. Uh, Lillian shares uh, just some real stuff. And what I love about this interview is that she does not sugarcoat everything. She just lets you know how it is and how it was, what she went through. Um, She doesn't try to um, make it seem any nicer than what it really was. What it was is what it was. And that's what she puts out there. And I appreciate that because I know it will resonate with a lot of people. And and so much of it did resonate with me. It's a testimony. And the word of God tells us that we are overcomers by the words of our testimony. So it is my prayer that even as she shares what God has done in her life with us, that she too is blessed. So I'm going to stop talking. I got some information that I'm going to share with you after the interview. So stay tuned for that. I also want to share with you, I did experience some technical difficulty during this interview on my end. I am um, going, having some conversation with Lillian back and forth, but you cannot hear my microphone for whatever reason. Nonetheless, the interview still turned out great. I just did want to make you all aware that um, she may be responding to something that I've asked her or that I've said and you may not be able to hear me. So it will be a a bit strange. But um, without further ado, I would like to present to some and introduce to others none other than gospel recording artist Lillian Lloyd. Lillian, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. I'm excited too. I'm telling you, I saw that snippet um, of the sermon that you were preaching and my God, you are a powerhouse. (laughs) Thank you. You are. And so I started doing some research just to find out a little bit more about you. And I mean, I found out some pretty amazing things. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the songs that I used to listen to back in the day, One More Chance, that 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 um, lead singer on there is you. I did not know that. Yes, that's me. (laughs) I saw that snippet. And so um, I would like for you to just share with uh, tell us a little bit about how you got started in the entertainment industry. Um, your uh, history with Ricky Dillard and just if, or, or from whatever point that you'd like to begin with, just tell us a little bit about how you got started in the music industry and how you've gotten to this point that you're in in life right now. Well, I started, I started singing when I was a kid, but I, my sister, uh, Julie, um, who was almost more like my mom, 
you know, my mother was there, of course, but my sister, my oldest sister kind of took the lead with a lot of things with me uh, creatively. And she noticed I was singing at a school assembly program. I did uh, Lord lift us up where we belong or something like that. And she said she started to cry when she heard me singing. She's like, I got to get my baby involved in some stuff. I was probably about maybe 10 or 11 years old, maybe about 10 years old at the time. And so she went to one of the directors uh, of the middle Georgia chapter of the GMWA and spoke to her about one of the youth choirs that was available, that was working at that time. And um, she got me involved in the young Corlears of the middle Georgia chapter of the GMWA. And so I got involved with that. And um, at about 11 years old, became a lead singer for that, one of the lead singers in that choir and um, um, got involved with that. And it just went from there. I was actually just did a live on Facebook with David Little. He was the MD for the choir at the time. And he did a lot of teaching and a lot of instructing, not just during rehearsals, but after rehearsals. He was married uh, to a wonderful woman <laughs> at the time. Her name was Crystal. And she would just allow us to come over to the house. Choir members, we'd be at the house all hours, just sitting around talking about music and just a bunch of different things. And it just he just spent a lot of time mentoring us and pouring into us. So we were always there. It's like, there's no getting rid of us. We're going to be here. But that began to spark my desire, but not spark it because it sparked with me being a kid, hearing the Hawkins family and all the different records that I was surrounded by growing up. But as time went on, I began to, uh, I moved away uh, to my parents' hometown or here in Michigan. And um, I got connected with some people there and that kind of opened me up a bit more, but there was one young man that had a hidden agenda. He said he was a producer and that he had these connections. He knew all these people and he had written all this stuff. And so that was my first experience. I was about 17 years old. That was my first experience with what we call a janky producer. Uh, yeah. So he told a lot of lies about these contacts that he had and, and this influence that he had and this power that he had. He was a jerk. He was a creep. Just, I mean, horrible, horrible, unspeakable things that he did to me, uh, things he said to me, uh, told me a lot of lies. I, I ended up moving in with him and um, I didn't like him in that way, but he would try different things with me and it was just really bad. It was just really, really bad. I lived in constant fear for my life and for my safety. And so I was able to convince him that I was going to go visit my mom but that was really my way of getting out of there. And I was not coming back. I remember um, my grandma, my, I'm sorry. He was very controlling. Yeah, absolutely. Very controlling, very manipulative. He, he had these violent outbursts. I remember one day he took his fist and punched a hole through a wall. Now you gotta know in Detroit, you can't just punch a hole through a wall in Detroit because those walls are made of plaster mm -hmm. and you will break your fist before you break that wall. Yeah, so he, he punched a hole through that wall and at that moment, I became afraid for my life. We were out one day. We went to see a movie one day and the cops pulled us over. As it turned out, his license were suspended. His tags were expired. Um, he didn't have insurance on the car. It was just it was just crazy. And so they ended up arresting him and they took us to jail. Now, I had to wait in this lobby area and they took him in and he called our um called our pastor and the pastor sent his son to pick us up. Um, he's now, his father's dead, but he's now pastoring Pastor Alex Morris. Alex Morris came to pick us up and um, 
when Alex got us, he started to say some things and I took note of those things. He's like, first of all, you, you got this girl out here. You don't have license. You don't have insurance. You don't have registration. She's depending on you to, to take care of her and you don't have the things that you need. And that turned the light on for me. Okay. If God has something for you, he's not going to put you in a vehicle that is ill-equipped to get you there. So this is not the contact person for you. So get away from this clown because he doesn't mean you any good. Thank you, Alex Morris. That's my brother. And I always give him props for that because it was it was his words that night when he showed up with the money and he showed up in this nice vehicle and he was properly dressed and he had these things. I began to look at him and say, now that's a man. That's what a man's supposed to look like. A man is supposed to be able to go in his wallet and a grown man. And we're not talking about somebody that's 17. We're talking about somebody that's well into their right. almost years old that doesn't have the proper things that he needs. Is not paying the rent at the house. I later found out he wasn't paying the rent to the, to the landlord and she turned the lights off. So we were in the house in the winter in Detroit in the dark, you know, and it was like, we were in that polar vortex during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just and so, a bad situation all around. It was just a bad situation all around. But thank God that he put Alex in my life yes. um, and, and put him in place to say the things that he said. So I, I always tell people, as you're on this journey, listen to everything around you. Listen to everyone around you. Uh, pay attention to the signs and the and the lights and the red flags. Pay attention to that. When you start seeing things aren't flowing, not, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be peachy cream and everything's going to be roses and as my godmother used to say, a, a gravy train on biscuit wheels. But if stuff just ain't adding up, you got to believe what you're seeing. Don't deny what you are seeing and what you're hearing and don't let people smooth talk you when you see that they don't have their basic stuff lined up. Person can't help you if they don't have their basic stuff lined up. So that was the lesson I learned in that. I got out of there. I ended up moving to Atlanta. And that's how I connected with B. Chase Williams. B. Chase Williams uh, was on Intersound International at the time. Uh, Intersound merged with uh, CGI Records. Uh, We got a deal with CGI and we were, um, we recorded another album. I joined his choir on the release of that CD. It was called the Give It Up Project. Most people know him for the Take a Trip album. Uh, I'm going to take a trip on that good old gospel ship. But at any rate, I heard that song on the radio and that's what brought me to know who who his choir was. Um, Even though I had people I knew that sang with him, I had never heard any of his music until that album came out. So fast forward to... Me joining his choir, I began to travel with him. The first trip we took was to Chicago, to the Chicago Gospel Fest. When I got there, the man of my dreams, musically, the man of my dreams was Ricky Dillard. He was standing in the audience. And I happened to walk, we came off stage and we were walking back to the area where they had the food and Ricky Dillard was standing right there. This was in 1997, 98, no, 97. And so he was standing right there and I was like, Ricky Dillard! <laughs> it's Ricky Teller. Before I could, you know, I had this speech prepared for the day I'm going to meet him because I've been since I was a little kid that I was going to sing with him someday. Uh-huh. Um, when I saw him, I had this thing in my mind prepared that I was going to say, but that went out the window. I had no idea. <laughs> it just left me. I don't know where it went, but it left. Yeah. Said he said, "Hey, boo." He said, "Your hair is cute." <laughs> I was like, "Thank you." <laughs> just. Goofy, I'm like, you, 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 you,
Thank you. <laughs> you dummy, get out of there. You put it. That is too funny. <laughs> we went backstage, we ate, and that was that. And I'm like, oh, God, I probably ruined a great opportunity to meet this guy, whatever, whatever. But it came around again. It came around again, the, the time that was set, the set time for me to, to really encounter him would come around again. So years went on. I continued to sing with B. Chase. I continued to travel and tour with him. And Ricky Dillard relocated to Atlanta. How cool is that? Right. <laughs> he relocated to Atlanta. I made, I made friends uh, in Chicago when I was I was there with Rick, with uh, B. Chase. Um, one of the guys that's actually in New G, his name is Tony Coleman. He I met him during that time. And he's still one of my closest friends in the choir today. And he's been there for over 23 years in the choir. But um, he's um, he was one of the people that I met. And actually, the church we visited is the church I'm now a member of, Bishop Larry Trotter, uh, Sweet Holy Spirit. So <laughs> that was that's cool how that ended up coming back around 20 years later. But uh, one day, I found out that Ricky had relocated to Atlanta. He was working for Pastor Timothy Fleming at the time. And he started to just kind of pop up at different events that were going on in the city. So he had started seeing me around. And... Um, Prior to that, New G came to Atlanta and did a concert. And one of my friends in the choir, John Pierce, he was one of the tenors in New G at the time. He got me backstage and I got a chance once again to meet Ricky. And he told me how nice I look. He always talked about, oh, you look so nice. You always look like a star. You always, you know, you're, you're very pretty, blah, blah, blah. And so um, John said, and she can sing too. So it's like, maybe this is it. It's like, oh, that's what's up. And then he walked around like, <laughs> you didn't say anything. You still didn't have your speech. Right, I didn't have no speech, and I'm like, well, I'm not gonna just break out and start singing a song. So um, I'm not that chick. So I'm like, it'll happen when it's time. I'm not gonna chase this guy. It's gonna happen when it's time. But I keep ending up in rooms with him, so I know this is destined to be. If you keep ending up in rooms, then that's it. it it's the environment you're supposed to be in. And God will keep putting you in different rooms and putting you in different settings to let you know that you're on the right path. But you, you have to stay focused and know when it's time to respond yeah. in those rooms. So the next room ended up being a concert. He was there. He noticed me in the audience and said, there's my girl. That's, that's, that's my baby right there. He said, what do you want to hear? And I made my request. He sang the song. We talked afterwards. Well, the young man that was working with me at the time, he was like, oh, you need to have her on one of your albums. And I was like, you idiot. Why would you do that? You're going to make a fool out of me. He was like, oh, okay. You know, and just kind of nodded and smiled. I'm like, you jerk. You could have ruined this for me. I didn't want him to think I was just some, you know, goopy opportunist, you know, looking for a situation. I'm like, well, first of all, he and B. Chase are friends. And I still sing with B. Chase. So that makes it look like I'm throwing myself at him. Don't ever do that again, sir. Please don't ever do that. So... Um, because the right situation and it was obviously that was obviously timing for that um, time went on and Pastor Nathan Simmons who was no longer with us um, it was his birthday weekend and he invited Bishop Hezekiah Walker to come and preach for his birthday celebration and Bishop Walker brought the choir. We had like a little friendly choir competition. So our church choir uh, against their church choir. So when our church choir got up to sing, uh, Ricky Dillard was in the audience. I didn't know he was coming, but I just happened that night to just really be 
overly dolled up. I mean, I really put it on thick that night. I just made sure that I had this custom outfit on and the right shoes and my hair and my makeup, everything was just flawless for what I was able to do at that time. And we got up to sing and the director called the song, It's Already Done. I like singing that song, but that's not the song I wanted to sing that night. I wanted to sing a song that really showed my my strength and that was the drive. I wanted to sing one of my good Holy Ghost numbers. Yeah. And, and and get that. But he said, no, we're going to do it's already done. I'm like, you petty. But at any rate, we did that song and Ricky Diller was in the audience. And it was that night that he said, I want her. That was in 2004. He said, I want her. He said, she's got the look. She's got the style. She's got the vibe. She's got the anointing. She can ad lib. She can sing. She can just sing. I like her. I want her. And so he he called me, he invited me to, he got my number, he invited me to come sing at a musical at the church he was currently working at, which was Bishop Michael D. Wilson's church, uh, Hope Cathedral, it was Tabernacle of Hope at the time, but Hope Cathedral. And I started to visit. And Pastor Simmons was, you know, just, it was shortly before his death. He told me, he said, I don't want you to leave. He said, but I believe this is the Lord's will for you. So you go over there, you teach them what I taught you, and you go forth and, and do the will of the Lord. I believe this is God's will for you. And I think that what he was doing was making sure I was okay, because he died shortly after that. He was kind of, that was my spiritual father. So he was setting, he was making sure I was okay. And that's what real parents do. They, they set you up and make sure you're good before they make their departure. And he died shortly after that. And was it also him, um, you to know, or kind of putting his stamp of approval on it for you? Absolutely. Feel better about. Absolutely. Absolutely. I knew I knew. So I wasn't I didn't worry about what everybody else thought at that point because Pastor Simmons had signed off on it. So I went to the church and I sang at a musical. We did. I've got a reason to praise the Lord. And uh, wow, everybody in these stories are, are, have passed on. It's crazy because the, the man that actually led that song on Mitchell Walker's project, he's passed away, Craig Wiggins, who's another one of my mentors. But um, he just died last year. So <laughs> it's crazy. And we'll talk about that more too because he plays into some of the other things with my global travel. But um, I sang that night and I just kept singing. I kept singing. That's why they call me the ad-lib queen. And he called me into his office. He said, I need to talk to you. I said, what's up? He said, you're crazy. I'm like, what? He said, I have never seen anybody ad lib that long. And you didn't repeat yourself one time. He said, cause I was counting. He said, you did not repeat yourself one time. I don't know how you do it. He said, we, we're going to have to work together. So I'm is like, that not recorded? <laughs> Look, uh, it's not recorded. I want to listen. I don't think there's we really didn't have, you know, we had cell phones back then, but we had the little stupid flip phones back then. So it wasn't those phones didn't do anything. That they didn't really do anything. Um at any rate, um so I'm like, he's like, I'm gonna work with you someday. I'm like, here we go. So I started to go to the church. I was doing praise and worship at the church and different things. So I did. We we learned one more chance. We learned. He taught one more chance to our church choir, uh, and he taught "Talk It Over with Jesus," which is one of the songs that G recorded back in um, in the '90s uh, on the Holy Ghost Takeover album. And 
when he heard me sing that, he's like, I need to talk to you again. So one more chance. Huh? One more chance. And he heard you sing one more chance. Well, actually, it was before one more chance. It was uh, talking with Jesus, I believe it was. We did it with the church choir. He he called me. It was before he taught that song. He called me in the office. He said, Lillian, I want you to pray about joining G. <laughs> so, of course, I'm I'm standing there. I'm like, well, absolutely. Praise the Lord. I, I believe this is the will of God. I don't. There's no need to pray about it. I really think this is the thing to do. So I'm like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I mind, but obviously in person, I was. I said thanks. I said thank you, and certainly and absolutely and whatever. So, um, let's let's look into that. What where, where do I sign? You know that sort of. So, um, I was so excited. And I went and started telling everybody. Everybody was like, "Yeah, okay, who cares?" You know, la di da. And I'm like, "Yikes! This is what people do when you get great news." It's just a big deal. It's whatever. And I had to realize that people feel like I sing better than her, so I should have been given the opportunity. I encountered that. I encountered people that are more skilled than I am, but they weren't as disciplined as I am. They didn't have the attitude to, to do and function. So I got in the choir. We sang One More Chance at our church, and it went over so well. And the video is actually on YouTube. We had on purple robes. Our church choir we had on purple robes. They had my hair back in a ponytail. That was our church choir. And it went over so well. You all so very hoarse. I preached the night before in Philadelphia. So I was I sounded horrible, I thought. But the anointing was all over it because the people were blessed. And, and I mean, it was just a really powerful move of God. That, it makes a difference, the anointing. Yeah. So after that, Ricky said, we're going to cut this. We're going to cut this tune with New G. He said, and you're going to lead it. Yeah, definitely. You're going to, we're going to do this. And we, we continue to sing it in our church choir. Ricky taught it to new G. We recorded it into Nathan Simmons died in December. He, his funeral was in December of 2005 and we recorded it January of 2006. And from there, when it was released, phone started ringing and it hasn't stopped ringing. And it's 2019. People are still calling me requesting that song. And so, and actually Bishop Eric McDaniel that wrote the song, his birthday was yesterday. And I just told this story on my live broadcast because his wife came on to the broadcast and it was her message. She actually preached the message one more chance. And the song was birthed out of a message that she preached. So shout out to them for taking me off of my job. <laughs> that was the song that took me off my job in 2007. I got fired. I was working for Atlantis Trading Corporation. I was a buyer for about 200 stores and boutiques mm-hmm. and private uh, businesses. And um, they were, my boss was like, you don't have a future in this company anymore. And um, I, I want you to go out and pursue your real destiny. Your, your destiny is in ministry and in music, not in this company. There's no future oh. for you. That, and that was your boss? My boss said that. He's a Scientologist. So it wasn't like he, the anointing, the Holy Ghost told him this. He was just like, your your destiny, your future is not here. Your future is in your ministry and your career. You need to go forth and do that. I said, well, you can fire me, but I'm not going to quit. Because, mm-hmm. you know, jumping out in full-time ministry with no engagements on the books, that's not something, you know, we just jump mm-hmm. out and do. Yeah. Uh, because even though I had dates coming in, it wasn't something that I was going to quit my job be- be- behind. But it had gotten to the place where 
I was on the phone at work conducting my personal business. And later on, when I heard Ricky Diller's story, he was saying the same thing. The reason why he lost his job is because he was at work conducting Ricky Diller's new G business instead of conducting their business. So, so how did you feel about that with, with, with your boss saying this? I mean, were you feeling that you, I know this is God or were you apprehensive? How were you feeling at that moment? I, I'm, I'm one of those crazy kind of people that if God says something, I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yippee! I've always been that person. And I, 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 I'm a risk taker. I've always been a risk taker. I will jump up and get on a bus and just go move somewhere, move to a completely different state, someplace I've never lived before and just find my way around. Okay. Where's this at? Where do we go to do that? Where's the DMV? Where's the hospital? Where's this place? Where's that place? And I will go and establish myself and live there. Oh, it's 90 degrees below zero. Okay. I have to get a thicker coat. I'm not afraid of the cold. Oh, it's 40 degrees. It's, it's 175 degrees outside today. Okay, great. I have to make sure I got great AC and short sleeves. What, what's next? I, I don't allow the elements to dictate. I don't allow, allow anything to, not even crime, because I've lived in some really bad areas. Um, and it's a really tough cities. I've lived in Detroit. I've lived in Chicago. I, li- I currently live in Chicago. I've lived in Philadelphia, um, Dallas. I've lived, you know, in Atlanta, of course, and I'm I'm just not scared because yeah. I believe that wherever the Lord is, He'll keep me safe, mm-hmm. and wherever His will is, I'm safe as long as I'm with Him, and as long as He's covering me and governing governing my footsteps. So we recorded one more chance, and after the record the record started to kind of die, we recorded another one. That one didn't do as well. And so then I started asking myself some questions. Okay, do I need to go get another job or do I need to do whatever, whatever? I went through a slow season. Um, then we had the reunion and things started to pick up after that. Uh, but this last album we just recorded uh, in 2017, um, number 10, we recorded a song, I've Got the Victory. And we were not expecting that song to do as well as it did. We ended up performing the song on the Stellar Awards, and I'm telling you, it just, I looked up and I was, I was just like waking up, not knowing what city I was in, because I was going so much. And even with One More Chance, when One More Chance first came out, it was just, I was running into myself, you know, trying to unpack one suitcase, pack another and go back out the door. I was literally... Was it was it singing or were you also ministering at other churches as well? Was it a mixture of both that you're doing? It was, a, it was a mixture of both because as I began to sing, people would hear the word and say, do you preach as well? Like, absolutely, I preach as well. And so I started getting asked to stay over and speak on Sunday morning services or speak, you know, let's just put a Sunday evening service together. And then we had, you know, we started to get a little bit more access with social media. Uh, social media started to become a bit more sophisticated. We got Facebook and things, things like that. Cause initially all we had was MySpace. And uh, I joined G in the MySpace era. So I got a few things through MySpace, but when we got Facebook that gave us a bigger audience, Facebook and um, Instagram kind of gave us a little bit more access and 
we have these apps and things on our phones and to be able to not have to go to a computer and sit down and pull up MySpace, but to be able to pull it up on our phones, pull up Facebook and Instagram on our phones. That's how you and I connected. So it, it just opened up a whole new world for us, gave people more access. And then with the advent of YouTube and being able to upload YouTube clips to your to your Facebook page, it just opened up a whole new world, gave us a lot more exposure and be able to reach audiences that we weren't able to reach before and so and stay connected to those audiences that we reach when we're on the road so ricky's audience started to become my audience and different people that followed him began to also just follow me personally and okay i want to come hear you preach i heard you sing Luigi. i'm coming to your service today i'm bringing friends and then those people begin to become you know fans of the ministry as well so followers and supporters of the ministry as well so there's that now Everything I just said took about 30 years to happen. So this overnight success story that you hear on television where somebody went and entered in a contest and they became America's next top whatever, mm-hmm. that, that, that story, it's, it's, it's great. That's, that's a great deal for you. I'm happy that that happened for you. But I feel sorry for you because you're not going to last very long. If you don't have, if a house isn't built on a firm foundation, it's not going to stand. It may look nice, but it's not going to stand for very long. It can't withstand the storms of life. And that's why you have people that end up on drugs and ended up cracking out and, and, and missing the mark and losing their focus because they didn't have a firm foundation. They didn't start from anywhere. I look at people like Fantasia. She won American Idol, but... Fantasia had a firm foundation. She grew up in church. She grew up singing and and doing, you know, just going around with their their family because she comes from a musical family. Um, So there was she was surrounded by music growing up. So when you have that growing up, you know what to do when you go to a church and they don't like the way you sound. You know how to go to a church when everybody's screaming your name and you know how to handle the applause. You know how to handle the adulation. You know how to handle all those things. And you also know how to handle rejection. So you don't come into a setting like a contest and wear your feelings on your sleeve because somebody didn't like the way you sound or somebody said something negative. So I thank God for those times when I was singing with the youth choir and I was going through a change in my voice and I couldn't quite hit the note and I was frustrated and I put the mic down and walked away. Or I thank God that I got that stuff out of me, those tantrums and things. I'm glad I got that stuff out of me when I was a child. I didn't come into my adult career throwing tantrums and being a, a, a you know, this, this Godzilla of, of artists. And having that having that diva mentality that things have to be a certain way or else I'm not singing with that. Well, if they don't have green M&Ms in the bowl, I'm not going to eat them. And if we don't have this type of water and that stuff, that that silly stuff. Yeah. Because you have some experience. God has allowed you to experience some things and uh, made it easier for you, preparing you. Absolutely. Preparing you for this great life and then the greater things to come. Absolutely. And and then you have to remember what you're doing it for. This is ministry. This is God's work. So you have to handle it like it's God's work. But I think with artistry, we get lost in the career and the industry side of it and we lose focus of the ministry side of it. We lose focus on the on the real purpose of us being here and doing this 
Thank God for the industry because the industry is, is where we sell records. The industry is where we, we perform concerts and we sell tickets and people come and they buy and they financially support our ministry so that we don't have to go and clock in and sit at a desk all day and then go out and sing and be on stage all night. Um, thank God for those things. Do you find in this industry that, um, just going back to what you were saying, that that oftentimes artists get self-absorbed, that it's no longer, and I'm just seeing that more and more, you know, I'm seeing it from some of my, whom I thought were my favorite artists, but I see a shift in that things are more about them as opposed to the ministry and the purpose, you know? The focus is not is no longer on the ministry and the purpose, why you're doing what you're doing, but it's more so about you. It's all about self. And that disappoints me. Yeah. That disappoints me because you see other little younger people, rather, I'm gonna say little younger people are babes in the ministry that are mimicking that. And I'm like, God, I don't I don't I don't think God is pleased with that at all. He's not. He's not. We preach not ourselves. The Bible tells us that we preach not ourselves, but Jesus, the Lord, that we preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. And so even in that we sing not ourselves. This isn't about me. If you want to sing about you, then you have to sing R&B music. You got to sing secular music. You sing worldly music. But when you take on God's music and God's sound and God's ministry and God's agenda, then God has to be the center focus. It has to be a Christ-centered ministry or else it's not a ministry at all if Christ isn't the center. And and we get we get lost in that. That's why a lot of times it's not good for, you know, people to get too much praise and get too much, you know, too much clout because then they they get they get excited by that and they start thinking it's them and not him. One thing I have never thought is that I'm so dope that I can do this by myself. I'm not I'm not a very talented singer. I'm not a very talented. I don't do a whole lot of the vocal tricks that a lot of people can do. Some people can I know people that just wake up in the morning and just start singing. They don't have no oil. No chains are being broken. No yokes are being destroyed. And they do well in the studio, but they can't do nothing live. They they can't keep... I couldn't sit and watch them do an entire live set by themselves because they don't have anything to carry the show. They don't know what to say in between songs. So that's the thing that kind of sets the difference between me and a whole lot of people. And I thank God that I have what I do have. I wish I could do some more of the tricks. I wish I had more range. I wish I had more stamina. I wish I had a whole lot of other things, but that, that I do have, it works for me. And that is power. That is the anointing. And that's the anointing that again, uh, attracted me to you. I'm thinking to this sense, she, you are anointed and you Mm -hmm. speak truth. So, um, the message that I uh, preached the other day, um, in that message, I quoted one of my mentors, Dr. Hayward Hamilton, and he said that everybody has an audience. Just because people are in the crowd doesn't mean that they're your audience. And so when God puts you in the room with your audience, your audience wants to hear whatever you have to say, however you have to say it. Whatever you cook and they're going to eat it because it's you. The problem is we try to fit ourselves into audiences that are not ours. We try to run after things and and function in lanes that are not cut out for us. 
We try to wear garments that aren't made for us, stuff that don't look good on us. Just because it's a 3X don't mean you need to wear it because that style doesn't fit your shape. But there's nothing like, there's nothing like, as Bishop Jake said, there's nothing like finding where you fit. There's nothing worse than being in a room and you feel at, uh, awkward and, and that's true. This, this is, this is just, oh God, I, I just feel so out of place and disconnected and, ooh, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to bump in. Oh God, did I step on your toe? Oops. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I hate feeling like that. I hate being in a room where I, I feel like I'm the. I'm the pink elephant in the room, basically, or I'm the I'm the sore thumb that's sticking out. I'm that I'm that one little I'm the bull in the china shop. You don't ever want to be in a room where you feel like that. And I have been in places where I felt out of place, where I felt awkward. Uh, And so God began to take me aside and I began to hone my craft and hone my skills and, and prepare myself and really find out what I'm good at. I wanted to sound like this one. I wanted to sound like that one. I tried to sing like this person and that person. If I can't get my higher range, let me find a lower range because it's sexy when a woman can sing in a lower register. So let me try that out. Well, that didn't work out because who wants to hear that all day? You know, that wasn't what he called me to be and called me to do. My brother, Terrence Cotton, I used to sing background for him. And he told me, he said, when you find your niche, stick with it. And one day I was singing and I found this squall i found this rasp he was like that's it when i found that and i found that i was able to vocally do that i began to expand on that and put the ad-libs with it and just get that drive going like lynette hawkins and different ones i'm like okay i can do that too and just put my own spin on it and that that was how i was able to find something to build on i built i laid that foundation and then added to it and as the years have gone, my range has increased and my stamina has increased and my ability to, you know, walk and chew gum, that sort of thing, multitask while I'm singing, that that increased as well. So through all of that, um, were you ever faced with any adversities, anything that ever or anyone that ever um, maybe discouraged you or almost almost got you to that point where I, this is not for me? Or was everything just smooth sailing for you? Uh, definitely not smooth sailing. I've I've had some some dry seasons where things just weren't happening, and I had to um, go and stay with friends, and you you stay with people. People mistreat you. Uh, people say they got your back, but they really don't, or they do things for you, but then they got to go and talk about what they did for you. And they have to tell everybody what they're doing for you. I've I've had some very humiliating, uh, humiliating things to happen with me, and been put in some really really bad, really bad situations. Um, I don't want to go into too many details because some people are still in my life. You know, they've come back around, and we all had our little hiccups and our little. Uh, times in life where we didn't know how to be good friends to each other. Some people, some people don't know how to be a friend to you when you're in a storm. Some people don't know how to be a friend when you're in transition. They don't know how to be that friend. Some of us aren't cut out. Some people will say, Hey, you can come stay with me until you find a job. 
Well, you got to understand what you're signing up for when you say that somebody can come and stay with you until they get a job. That means that you got to make sure they got something to eat. You want you're you're making you're making yourself responsible for making sure they can get back and forth to interviews and hey, here's some money to catch the bus and all that other stuff. You're signing up for more than just hey, you got somewhere to stay. Right. There's a whole lot more that goes into that. And if you're not ready, and that means that people have a life. If, if a person is staying with you and they need to leave the house, well, you can't just leave them standing outside in the cold because you guys got home at different times. If you're not going to give them a key or you're not going to make make it easy for them to get in and out of the house, then don't allow them to come and stay with you. If you got to be like that about your keys or somebody got to stand outside for four hours and wait on you to come home, that's not right. That's not how you treat people. Or, you know, well, I'm I'm not, I'm nowhere near there. So you're just going to have to wait. Okay. Well, it's dark and I'm a woman and it's not safe for me to just sit outside all night while you decide whether or not you're going to come home and you take your sweet time about getting here. When you said I could stay here, when you invited me to stay here, that's not fair. So let's just me get my things and let me go. And uh, let's do something different because we're not. You're not really helping that person. You're not you're really helping me at all. And, and I don't think that you should create a situation that it becomes so comfortable for a person to just mooch off of you. But right. when you see a person is getting up and going to work every day and they're, they're putting forth an effort to be responsible, then, you know, if you're not available to accommodate that person, then just don't. But don't don't bring somebody in your house just to. Just some people will let you move in just so they can mistreat you. They want to be in charge of something. They want to be in control of somebody. So you walk around with your lip button up, acting like you're mad at them, but you're not even mad, but you just want them to feel uncomfortable and feel uneasy. And, you know, you waking them up in the middle of the night, asking them a bunch of dumb questions and doing, I, I've, I'm telling you, I've seen it. I have seen it. I've experienced it. And, you know, people, I've had people to come stay with me that wouldn't pay rent. They wouldn't help out with anything. You go out and buy new clothes and new shoes and don't think to say, hey, did you eat today or or anything? You know, we're all going through something. But if you need a place to stay and I have a place to stay and I need something to eat, well, you buy me something to eat. You got a place to stay. We can all win. If you got if you got the Kool-Aid and I got the water and the sugar, we can we can all have something to drink. You know what I'm saying? But people don't want to work together and team up to let's collectively meet our goals. We want to be in charge of something. We want to run it. And then we want to sit back with our other friends and bellyache about, and child, she still don't have a job. It's been six weeks. It's been, it's been two months and you still don't have found a place to work and you don't blah, 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 blah. And this still hasn't happened. She's, she's always this, but she can do this. She can go here. She can go there, but blah, blah, blah. That's that's not the way believers behave. That's not, not the way believers behave. Yeah. yeah, we shouldn't behave that way. So I, I experienced that. And baby, when I finally was able to get a good job and earn enough money to have my own place and take care of it on my own, you better believe I didn't look back. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, and because... Just looking at you, you know, you hear people say oftentimes, I don't look like what I've been through. I, I would never have guessed any of that. It got so bad. It got it got so bad at one point that I was eating the leftovers. They go out to eat, 
and it was leftovers in the fridge, that's what I was eating, whatever was left over. We could be out to eat and I didn't have any money. So I just, whatever you didn't eat off your plate, I would eat that. That's humiliating, especially when you have enough money to buy me something to eat. But you'd rather me sit and look stupid at a table full of people with nothing in front of me and just say, here, here's a, le- here's a piece of chicken. I didn't eat that. You can have that. You can have the rest of my mac and cheese. Oh, God. And that's, why, that's, that's why today that now that the Lord has blessed me, I go in restaurants and I will pay for everybody at the table or I'll, you know, I leave that server a hundred dollar tip or a $50 tip. I'm, I'm that person because I remember when I didn't have it. I remember how people treated me when I didn't have it. And that's I, what I was going to say. The Lord puts us in situations to help make us better people. Mm-hmm. And you, you just said it before I could even get it out. <laughs> now you go and you pay for everybody's food. Yeah. You know, and I and I wasn't I wasn't the easiest person in the world. I'm not going to pretend like I did everything right and and everybody else was horrible. No, that, that's not it at all. I was just misguided, and I was a kid. I was a young twenty year old person that had my mindset on being a star, being an artist, and functioning and going and doing what I'm doing right now. But yeah. it just didn't happen like I thought it was going to happen. Uh, Pastor Tim Fryer pulled me aside one day. He said, Lillian, I believe all these great things are going to happen for you. I do. But in the meantime, how are you going to live? You need a job. You need to be able to go to work and and earn a living for yourself so that you can take care of yourself while this is going on. I thought in my mind that if I go and get a job, then I don't believe that God is getting ready to open the door. And so he had to he had to break this thing down for me and teach me that no, you can work and believe God. That it's godly to work. It's, it's godly to have a job. It's godly to be able to take care of yourself. You got to be able to tithe. You have to be able to continue to sow into ministry. You got to be able to, co- to continue to sow into the house of God. You've got to be able to, to function and, and do the things you need to do so that you don't have to ask somebody to buy you a pair of pantyhose. You don't have to ask somebody to give you a ride to work. You can buy your own bus ticket. You can buy your own train uh, pass. You can you can buy your own lipstick. You don't need somebody else to, to do that for you. And yes, God will put people in place that will be a blessing to you. But he also wants you to be able to be a blessing to someone too. And so when I got that lesson, thank you, Pastor Tim Fryer. I don't think I've ever thanked you for that formally, but thank you, Pastor Tim Fryer, for that. Um, uh, I, I started to, it took me some, even after that lesson, I worked here and there and bump from spot to spot until I found a place where I fit. And once I found a place where I fit, then everything else started to happen. So you have to go ahead. So now I was going to say, so now today, um, I mean, God has definitely brought you through some amazing things. It just sounds, your life sounds so exciting to me. Uh, What are some other things that you are, are working on now? What are some projects you have going on right now? Well, I had, I started a couple years ago working on a series of children's books because I'm concerned about, uh, children having nightmares. I get people in my prayer line all the time talking about their children having nightmares, uh, not being able to sleep, being tormented in their sleep uh, because of things that have happened to them. Um, my girlfriend, she works for an adoption agency in, in New York. And when I hear some of the stories that she tells me about some of the things that the kids have been through, children that have been trafficked, uh, they have pimps that have taken them out of the state and off into different areas and sealing them into prostitution and different things like that. Children that have been abused and beaten and, and mishandled um, by their 
step parents or their grandparents or their godparents or just guardians or people that have gotten custody of them for some reason, um, they have trouble sleeping. And so, and not just that people that live, kids that live at home with their parents that have just experienced traumatic situations, children that have lost their parents. And I came home and found my dad dead or a parent that committed suicide or, you know, trauma in the family. You know, those kids that grew up in bad neighborhoods and, and witnessed uh, like a situation that happened in Chicago a few months ago where a gang member was chasing this girl's boyfriend, looking for this girl's boyfriend. And he started chasing her and she was holding her baby. Mm. And he shot her in the back of the head mm. while she was holding her child. So this child's mom's head explodes while she's carrying her baby. That's going to be in that kid's brain forever. He's going to remember that this is a little kid that's going to remember that. So when, when you have a child that experiences that trauma or seeing their, seeing their parent be harmed or be hurt, it, 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 it leaves a lot of bad stains and a lot of bad memories. So I started writing um, children's stories um, to be a source of comfort and peace and just happy thoughts. The Bible says what sort of things are pure and lovely and, and an honest and just of a good report there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. So working on, on that to produce happy thoughts and peaceful thoughts and pleasant thoughts, because whatever you're thinking about before you go to sleep is what you'll dream about once you're asleep. And that's the dreams are the way the brain stores memories. So whatever you're feeding yourself, whatever your eyes see throughout the day, that's what your mind remembers throughout the night. And so those things start to play back they start to play back in your uh, in your dreams, and then they start to haunt you throughout the day. Whatever you dream about at night is what you'll what how you'll function during the day, and so it's just a cycle. Uh, and uh, so we're working on that, and um, getting ready to uh, enter into a program to start life coaching, uh, start uh, doing life coaching because this is what I do anyway. <laughs> this is what I do anyway. So I think it will just enhance you know, the ministry and, and kind of broaden my scope and broaden my horizons because everybody's not going to serve the Lord, but everybody needs help. And I think that every person needs help. And I believe that every, every person um, needs that shoulder. They need that individual to help them just say, Hey, let's, let's get a plan in place. Let's move forward in this direction. Let's eliminate that. And let's find this, this works, helping people find what works and, and getting them out of these these holding patterns and getting them into a place of, of functionality. Um, working on music of my own, and I've been saying it for years, but one thing about me, I'm not in a rush because one thing about gospel music, unfortunately, is not very progressive. You're hearing a lot of the same stuff over and over again. We've been hearing the same sound for the last 10 years. It hasn't changed much. It's just more of the same. So the stuff I'm doing is way far left of what most people are accustomed to hearing from me. Although there will be songs like what people are accustomed to hearing from me, but it's it definitely has more of an edgier uh, vibe. The new stuff has more of an edgier vibe. Uh, B. Slade is one of my producers. I have some other people working um, with me as well. And uh, I'm not calling any dates. I just say when it's done, it's done. And you're going to love it when it's done. <laughs> Do you write your own music? I do write some music. Uh, the single that we were talking about under the moniker Jenna XY it was named that B. Slade and I came up with. Uh, Jenna is, is just a play on my middle name. My middle name is Janice. 
and uh, X represents the unknown, and um, Y is yes to the unknown. So we got Jenna X Y from that. Um, the song we wrote, he had a he had a track, and he said, "Listen to this. What do you think about it?" I said, "I love that." He said, "Okay, let's let's play on this. What do you hear?" And we started with the words, "Don't examine what you see them doing." And he said, find your own way. I said, because can't nobody do it like you do it. So we started having this conversation with each other. But while we were having this conversation, he was typing. He types 90 words a minute, 91 words a minute. So he's typing while we're talking. And then before you know it, we have this song. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he would sing a melody to me. He said, so I said, don't examine what you see and do it. So he was like, find your own way. Can nobody do it like you do it? And so we just uh, we just started like what what would be a message that you would give a person that feels like they're stuck? Stop examining what you see everybody else doing. Find your own way because nobody can do what you do. Don't let the whole day slip away. Stop walking around here with all these books and plans and and stuff saying, oh, I'm going to do this. Tomorrow I'm going to do that. No, you know, don't let the whole day slip away. Accomplish something every day. Write a paragraph every day. Go out and do and function in some capacity of what you're called to do every day. Go out and do that thing. Go out and look for that thing. Find that thing. If you're going to, uh, one of the things I, I, I said I wanted to do is to um, restore furniture. So I started buying old pieces of furniture and repainting them and changing the knobs and that sort of thing. Just getting into finding that hobby and, and finding ways to restore things and, and add value to them or change the value of them. So it's like, oh, I'm going to do it one day. No, don't do it one day. Do it today. Don't do it someday. Do it now. Yeah. What you waiting on? Yeah, what are you waiting on? So just just find the avenue. Well, well what do I do in the meantime? Go take a sewing class. And I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in that and not waiting, especially when I know that God has said it. I'm like, why the procrastination? What is it you waiting on? Yeah. If God said do it, then do it. And believe it or not, I get a lot of emails from our listeners about people who say they, they, they've been thinking about doing something for years. They've been wanting to for years, but they don't know how to get started. When it's just a matter of just doing it. Exactly. You keep waiting on, I don't know, this big epiphany or something, mm-hmm. well, just, you could have been, you could have had five years of experience behind your belt by now. Absolutely. But, you know, a big believer of the God, especially if God did it. Just do it. Just do yeah. it. My dad, uh, Bishop Carrington Morgan, told me something. He said, just go take a course. Even if you can't jump right into school full time, just take a course. Just learn how to do something. Start doing something. Uh, anything that's going to add value to you. Uh, I'm an evangelist. So me learning a foreign language adds value to me. Me learning the, the life coaching thing. It takes a year. Learn how to do that. Go and get the skills to do that. Uh, take voice lessons. Take piano lessons. Go learn how to do something that's going to add to who you already are. Everybody's not going to go to college for four years. Everybody's not going to go to graduate school. Everybody's not going to earn a PhD. Everybody's not going to have that life. Everybody's not going to do that because that's not everybody's calling. So whatever you're called to do, if you play piano, also learn how to play guitar. Also learn how to play drums. Go get the lessons that enhance who you already are. Great. So you have a single out. And yes. Now, since you want iTunes. Get your life. Get your life. 
Um, yeah, it's on iTunes now. And um, tell us, how did that song come about? Is that the one? You, that, that's not the one you were just talking about, is yeah, it? Yeah, that song I was just talking about. Beast Lady and I wrote that. And um, oh, your life. And that song, I listened to it um, on my way from the gym uh, this morning. I simply listened to the whole song. And um, yeah. I mean, that is catchy. That is a that's a nice song. Yeah. And I'm wondering why I hadn't heard it more often. So everybody out there, go to iTunes and simply type in Jenna XY and and download the song Get Your Life. You are gonna like it. Now I was looking at the album. You were talking a little bit about uh, a little bit ago about you being a little different. Your album cover, in and of itself, that is a very unique album cover, and it's already different. It's not the standard. A Christian woman in her cute little pose, you know, you know, yeah. it's different, and I like it. Jenna Jenna XY is the is the Wonder Woman to Lillian Lloyd. She's she's like Diana Prince. Is Lillian Lloyd is Diana Prince, and and Jenna XY is Wonder Woman. So she's just that alter ego. She's the other side, the edgier side of me, and um, so it's like when Lillian's in trouble, Jenna shows up. <laughs> and she goes to battle so that Lillian can do what she does. And so that that's that's basically the concept of the album. And the, and the sound in Get Your Life is not what they're used to you, hearing you sing. It's not what we're used to hearing. That song is not, the, it's not the sound of the album necessarily. That yeah. was a song that we came, we didn't even go in the studio that night to record that song. We just happened to write it. And it, it that song just happened in that in that session it was just birthed out of that time that we spent together and uh, that's what happens when you have a great producer when you have a great producer you birth your own stuff versus having a person that hey i got this track listen to it all right sing this yeah you haven't you haven't had any any intimacy there was no lead up but we had all day to sit around and watch movies and talk and and have dinner and and sit around and just be in each other's company and and spend time with each other before we even got to the writing. When you have that intimacy, we have that intimate time with your producer and you you start talking about the things that you're both interested in. And you get to know uh, some stuff about that person, even though we, we he and I've been friends for years. You just start talking about stuff you've never really talked about before. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. How you feel about this? Which favorite holiday? You know, just which favorite color? Which favorite this? Which favorite that? You start getting to know some things and start digging into each other's childhood and some experiences. You find music in that. You find uh, noteworthy story uh, story uh, nuggets there, and that's where great songs are birthed. I'm definitely um, going to be anticipating your next album. Can you give some advice? What bit of advice would you give our listeners out there that are striving for something, looking for something, um, or wanting to work in the music industry and just haven't quite got there yet, or maybe discouraged or may still be contemplating? What advice would you give those individuals? I say to, especially gospel singers, sing because you love music not because you want to be a star sing because you love the Lord, not because you want to be famous because you may never become famous. You may never get a record deal. You may never record an album, but if you do it for the love of the music, then you'll never be disappointed. I sing 
because I love to sing. I sing because I enjoy doing what I do. I enjoy singing with Ricky Dillard. I enjoy singing on my own. I, I love uh, working with other groups and choirs and learning songs and traveling and recording and, and, and touring and things. I enjoy that. I also do a tour in Europe, in Europe uh, December through February with the Best of Black Gospel Choir. Uh, we tour, we do 52 shows over there in the winter time, during the winter months, uh, December through February. And I do that because I enjoy it. I really, really enjoy doing what I do. And when you, when you make the focus being fame, you make the focus being a star, then you're, you're in for a lot of lonely nights and a lot of days of disappointment. When you, when you make the focus loving the music, then you, you are in for a fulfilling journey, a journey. You're in for a very fulfilling journey. Whatever is supposed to happen for you, it, it, it's going to happen. Whoever you're supposed to meet, you're going to meet them. You just stay busy doing what you do and everything else will, will find, it will work itself back to you. Well, Jenna, thank you so much. I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to you. Um, thank this you. Was a great, this was a great interview. Um, so tell my listeners, how can they contact you? If they want to contact you for bookings and also give us your social media handles. How can we find you on social media? Uh, for bookings, you want to call Chris Wynn, and his number is 347-206-1898. Christopher Wynn, Wynn Big Management, W-Y-N-N. And my, I, let me just add that he is the best manager in the world. He, he takes good care of me, uh, and he looks out for me, and he's a very easy person to work with, so you don't have to worry about running into somebody that's pushy and arrogant and, oh, we're, we need this up front or we need that up front. No, no, no. He really, he really has my spirit. He really has my spirit when it comes down to handling my business. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Lillian J. Lloyd on Facebook, uh, and also follow the Lillian Lloyd fan page. Um, there's a couple of pages out there. Some of those pages are, you know, phonies or those that have been hacked, but my, my authentic page, um, is um i think i have a blonde bob and there is a picture of my prince uh display in my house that that's on the that's on my banner up there so that's the one i'm a huge prince fan it's gemini season y'all what are we gonna do what are we gonna do about these gemini's i'm june 10th to june 7th so there's that um instagram I am Jenna XY40. I am J E N N A XY40. That's my Instagram uh, handle. And also, you can follow me on Miss Lillian's VSG Vibes, VSG Vibe on um, Instagram as well. And that's just a page I created to um, chronicle my uh, vertical sleeve gastrectomy uh, surgery I had 10 months ago. I've lost six, uh, 60 pounds. Oh, wow. uh, because of that, I was 278 pounds. I was very miserable and unhappy and uh, unhealthy. I was very unhealthy. I was happy as a person, but I was unhealthy, which made me uncomfortable, which made me unhappy. So I am very happy and I'm getting healthier and my body's starting to adjust and I'm doing well. Um, That's so something else we could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to do another but I, you asked me what I was working on. That's one of the other things I'm working on, working on a book um, about that journey and, and the weight loss journey and the stigma behind surgery 
and taking that as the easy way out. It is definitely not the easy way out because I could have been a lot lighter than I am now had I not taken some off ramps. You know, you get on the road and you get comfortable. Oh, there's a cookie. I'm starving. I'll eat a cookie. One cookie turns into two cookies, turns into three cookies. Well, you can't really eat more than three cookies, but you shouldn't be eating any cookies at this stage because you're trying to lose weight. And then you'll find yourself not eating your proteins and not eating your vegetables. You're just eating cookies. And that was my problem before eating what's convenient rather than what's healthy, what is necessary to feed, feed and fuel the body. And those things work against you when you're when you have the surgery. So having the surgery is definitely not the easy way out. You have to put in the work, have to put in the work. It's just a tool to help you. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm at libqueen on Twitter, A-D-L-I-B queen on Twitter. Um, nobody has MySpace anymore, so you can't reach me there. You can send us an email if you for bookings, Lillian J. Lloyd at gmail.com, and I'll forward that over to uh, Win Big Management. I'm writing all of these down. Yeah, you also have make sure that I put them in um, on, on the website, Success and Christ yeah. website, so it'll be there. And then all of the when we advertise this particular yeah. podcast, we have all that information in there as well. So that's Lillian J. Lloyd, L L O Y D at gmail.com or you can hit us at winbig30 at gmail.com w-y-n-n-b-i-g 30 at gmail.com and that's about it all right well this was fun thank you boy and uh you have the prettiest smile and thank you a sweet spirit about you this was great Thank, thank you so much. And I'm just looking forward to all the things that God is doing in your life. I'm going to be looking for those children's books and um, your music that's coming up. And then Absolutely. I'll be, I'm going to go on and follow your, your Instagram page, VSG vibe. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to see that book within the next year or so. Um, yeah. Chronicling your weight loss journey. Well, that's exciting. And thank yes. you so much. I know um, success in Christ podcast listeners are going to, um, just enjoy, enjoy listening to you. Thanks so much Absolutely. for being with me. Thank you for having me. Wow. Thank you again, Lillian, for joining me on Success in Christ podcast. You are definitely a phenomenal woman doing some great things. And I am so grateful to God that you took the time to come on the show and talk with me and my listeners on today. God bless you and all of the many ventures that God has set before you. I pray nothing but prosperity, not just with material things, of course, but mostly spiritual things that God just continues to elevate you in him and in uh, the ministry that he has called you to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, don't forget all of the places that you can find Lillian. She gave us those handles. And look, if you want to book her for, um, if you want her to come and minister at your church, she said to contact her manager, Christopher Wynn. And I'm going to give you that number, Christopher Wynn at Wynn Big Management. And his number is, again is 347 206 1898. Christopher Wynn at Wynn Big Management. You can find Lillian on social media, Facebook. She can be found at Lillian J. Lloyd. On Instagram, you can find her at I am Jenna XY40. I am Jenna XY40. And while you're at it, why don't you go on over to iTunes and purchase that album, that single that she has out, Jenna XY. It is 
phenomenal. As always, thank you for joining me for yet another fabulous episode of Success in Christ. Hey, remember, if you have any prayer requests, please send them to me at info at success in Christ. You can go to my webpage. I'll talk to you there even. <laughs> my webpage is LaGeniaBearden.com. Hey guys, I've started doing a little bit of cooking. I'm on this whole keto thing right now. So I'm learning keto. And while I'm learning, I'm also sharing everything that I'm learning with you guys. So I've started to put some of my cooking videos out there on YouTube and also on my webpage. So you guys can kind of, if you've been thinking about it, you can kind of see how my journey is going and decide whether or not it's something you want to do. Keto is something definitely different than uh, any other diet I've ever tried before. I mean, for one, the food is actually good, you know. Um, it's just getting past this, uh, the first few days, uh, your body feels a little bit weird, Um taking in all that fat and everything. So if you want to follow me on my keto journey and just see some of the things that I'm eating and what I'm cooking up in the kitchen, go to my webpage, go to my YouTube channel, Legenia B. Uh, and I am sharing everything that I'm doing on there. So just a little bit of everything. You can always email me at info at success in Christ and definitely go to our webpage, info at success in Christ.net. You can find me on Facebook, <laughs> Success in Christ, and on Twitter, info at success in Christ. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> That's all the places you can find me. I do love hearing from you guys, so don't be shy. Thank you guys so much for listening again. And until next time, I'll see you on episode 17, where I'm going to be interviewing Rob Decker. You are not going to believe what God has done for him. I cannot wait to share it with you. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye.